So one thing about my mom, she's always, always been very positive and always has given me lots of love and believed in me. And so even in my goth stage, she really saw it as a gift. And so fast forward now, I don't want to want to fast forward, but the point is my childhood made me courageous. My childhood made me bold and not, not afraid to stand out in a crowd. That's a blessing, right? Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host mother hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Michelle Joy is a founder of Miracle Mindset, where she helps people tap into the power of the universe through the law of attraction and become master manifestors. She's also a certified soul coach, certified happiness coach, licensed heal your life teacher, and law of attraction expert and facilitator. Her podcast titled Law of Attraction in Action has been heard by thousands and her video vlog titled 365 Days of Joy has helped inspire many on the importance of tapping into your joy every day. She's the author of Thrive and Shine, How to Find Happiness When Life Falls Apart. And she's inspired thousands through her speaking, coaching, and online presence. Sisters, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler, mothering the world this week, the host of the podcast, Law of Attraction in Action, and the founder of Miracle Mindset, Michelle Joy. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Kareen Mills, and I'm your host. We are blessed today to have Miss Michelle Elder, who also has a podcast that I was on, the law of attraction in action. And I'm so excited to hear a different side of her. On the flip side, we always begin to talk about your childhood. So first, welcome, Michelle. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Great. Good. It's awesome for moms today because Portland, Oregon area is snowed in and we don't know how to do life with snow. <laughs> so the whole 
city shuts down and I live in a hilly area. So I'm always very grateful when it shuts down because yeah. I don't want to leave where I live. It's bad. Right. <laughs> right. Safer that way. And my husband yeah. would not let me drive in this types of condition. So yeah. I wouldn't either, but I've tried before and it's scary. So welcome. Thank you. And by yes. the way, I go by Joy as well, Michelle Joy. So, um, oh, good. Using for a lot of people, I always think about names. You know, we always think, well, this is our name, and this is what we should stick with. But I think whenever we reinvent ourselves, it's it's good to change our names. And so, Elder is actually my ex-husband's name. So, um, Joy is not, it's not changed legally yet, but I go by both. So it's very confusing for people. But I want to put it out there because all my stuff is under Michelle Joy. Awesome. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Girlfriend, you can do whatever you want, I know. right? <laughs> I love that, right? I love that. Cool. Well, hey, let's talk about your childhood because I love diving deep into people's childhood only because I believe that everything that we go through in those monumental decades of our life mm -hmm. during our first decade or even second decade mm -hmm. are a huge contributor to a lot of the things that happens to us and things that we do subconsciously when we become adults. So take us through that journey. How was that? What types of things that you can take away from your childhood that you think that is leading you to who you are today? Oh, absolutely. My childhood was extremely impactful. I grew up with a single mom with six kids. I was 18 months old when my dad left. So basically one day he said, I you know, don't love you anymore and I can't handle having so many kids. And my mom was uh, at the time a stay-at-home mom and had no money and uh, no way to make money because she didn't have a job. So you can imagine growing up where at 18 months old, my life, my family fell apart. And so I grew up with a very strong sense of, um, well, I was ignored because they were, my family's so busy. You know, my older siblings had to try to take care of me. They were, they're all uh, four years apart and there's a seven year gap and my brother and I were born and my brother and I are two years. We're all full blood. Um, but during wow. that time, I realized how, you know, I felt so ignored and not loved, but I never complained about it because our family was, you know, just doing the best they could. So mm. instead I bottled it up. And so my childhood was very sad. I, I rarely smiled. I felt, um, I know my mom loved me, but she just couldn't be there for me. She became a realtor. I mean, she's just, my, my mom is so badass. I just, she's amazing. She should be on your show <laughs> for what she's done. But she, you know, made a find, found a way to make it work. But in order to do that as a single mom with six kids, she had to be gone a lot. So she had to rely on my siblings and, you know, they were teenagers. They didn't really want to have to take care of two little kids. And so my story, my, my tape, what I told myself as a kid is I'm not loved. I don't fit in. Mm. And I'm the only redhead out of six kids. I'm the only wow. I was the dancer. I never liked sports. I'm like the, such the black sheep, Corrine. <laughs> like, I don't know where I came from. You stuck out like a sore thumb. Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> but you know, truly, Corrine, that's when I look back in my life and who I am today, I am the person I am today because of you know, I had to find meaning to me, you know, because I didn't fit in with my family. And it's, it's more than just, you know, they don't love me. I purposely, I just felt different. I always knew I was different. Mm. And so what I did actually, which is a funny story in eighth grade, I became goth. And 
And this is wow. in the 80s when nobody was doing this, right? And so, uh, and so my family is, you know, in many ways they did support me. They thought it was weird. Um, but my mom actually really praised me for it because she, she knew I had the courage to be different and she really appreciated that. So one thing about my mom, she's always, always been very positive and always has given me lots of love and believed in me. And so even in my goth stage, she really saw it as a gift. And so fast forward now, I don't want to fast forward, but the point is my childhood made me courageous. My childhood made me bold and not, not afraid to stand out in a crowd. That's a blessing, right? Especially in the speaking oh, wow. world, right? <laughs> I mean, a lot of, a lot of us like self-love, self-promotion, um, all these stuff are just now popping up, but, but Michelle Joy has been doing it all her life. Yeah. And I so was really shy awesome. as a kid too. I was, believe it or not, I was really shy. Um, it wasn't until my twenties when I became a nurse that I kind of broke that shell. But um, yeah, it's so, it's so interesting to see who we were then and who we've become and how they relate, right? Which is why you do this wow. show. It's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to take you back through the bottling part because there's a lot there of what you just said that I want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into. And the other reason that I do this podcast is also not only to mother the world, but also to hopefully the people that don't have a mother, mm-hmm. foster children, um, maybe an adoptive child that just don't feel quite um, at home or they belong to, you know, the home that they live in or their adoptive fa- family. And allow those kids in those profound years growing up to really be mothered by people like you and me plugging into my podcast to sort of be mothered by a collective mom, like all of us, learning a little bit from all of us. Because I know that when you're a child, it could be so isolating and it could be so lonely especially when you don't have somebody to relate to. And, and you know that, and I know that because we've been through those moments in our lives. So talk to me about how that feels to bottle a lot of things, because I'm really also a proponent of like minimizing the teenage suicidal rates. And there's a ton of those and maybe social media is just like magnifying everything and maybe they've just been happening all our lives we just are now have so much access to everything and faster than we've ever had mm-hmm. when you talk about that talk about from a kid's perspective as well and really give our children of today and maybe the teenage of today an advice on how you really handle that and what outlets did you go through or did you not have and how do you think you would change that looking back well um you know again during the years when i was goth it was um a really fascinating time for me because it there was a part in me and i was you know 14 at the time Mm -hmm. and i there's just this little seed in me that says i'm gonna be me no matter what So that was like, it was, my internal was not able to express it because I was so shy. 
and I couldn't tell people how I felt. So what I did is I did it externally through how I looked. Mm. And so my physical stance became my expression of, yes, I'm different and I'm okay with it. It was like this power within me. Um, but I, again, I, I did bottle a lot up. You look back at all my pictures. There's not a lot of pictures of me when I was a kid, but I, I really smiled. And, um, I had, in fact, there was so much pain that I held on for years Mm -hmm. that I moved away from Denver when I was just barely 19 without like any plan. I, it's not like I moved away to college. I moved to Portland from Denver with, uh, two boxes and clothes and like $200. And I didn't really have a plan. And I just knew I had to leave Denver. And I remember when I left, I knew I was like, I'm never coming back. Like I was so angry at my family. And, but I did have to go back every year. You know, it's, I'm, I love my, I do, I'm really, really close to my mom. I've always been close to her, but so I go back every year and I cry every single year. Um, When you go back or when you leave? No, when I go there, when I'm there, I completely melt down. Wow. I would cry. And it's a thing. It's so deep. So this is, this is the bottled up part. Then we don't have a place to express it when you're young. I expressed it through you know, being goth and being able to express myself externally, but I still was really hurt inside. And I felt like, again, you take five, six siblings and there's my five and there's me, you know, just to be so different from this big family that's so caring or so close and I don't fit in. It's a horrible feeling, right? Wow. And so for me, I held on to that tape for so long. And Corrine, what really shifted me is the awareness that, I am the person I am because of that. I got strength and I had the courage to move away when I was 19 without a plan. How many people can do that, right? <laughs> At 19, not much. <laughs> I, I was very courageous and I was very an outside the box thinker. I never, I did not give in to fitting in. You know, mm-hmm. there could have been an urge for me when I was young to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to be like them because then they'll like me but well, I could do it. I like fitting it. in. Right. And so years later, I realized that my past was not something there to hurt me. It was something there to make me the person I am. And mm-hmm. I became courageous. I became, you know, outside the box thinker. I am absolutely passionate and compassionate for others because they know what suffering is like. Mm-hmm. because I suffered so much I felt as a child wow. and so I have so much love for those outcasts you know for those weirdos and um and it's because of me not fitting in so how would I why would I take that away if right. something so horrible made me so great I'm taking the great and be grateful for the horrible you know yeah perspective so then I started to heal and this all happened after my divorce and this is all in my book too at least as far as my healing after my divorce, but I really believe that, that forgiving my family, understanding perspective shift and just saying, oh, this wasn't really there to hurt me. It was something that was put in place to make me who I am. Then I know it was a gift. So then I started, when I go back to Denver now, I'm so in love with my siblings. We're so close. Wow. Than we've ever been. And, um, and, and they didn't know I suffered. And so I've had conversations with them to say how much I suffered. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. They're like, I always thought you were dad's favorite or mom's favorite. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Let's stop really quick there because you just said something that really is super interesting to me. 
because you said that you now talk to your siblings a ton yeah. and they didn't even know you were suffering. So I think, I think the communication too is yeah. so super key because they probably wanted you to belong, but then in our own mind, and I think it's sometimes it's self-inflicted, right? because because they have probably been waiting for you as well to reach out to really like just become connected more than we thought we were right and so by bottling everything and you know you bottled it at 14 you moved away at 19 and then you had your marriage that didn't work out and when we bottle things up it gets filled up for with even more crap right mm -hmm. and so the more that we let go of those sooner than rather than later, yeah. the less it gets filled up with negativity. But then the more we keep it within and bottle it, the more it gets filled up with even more and then even more. And then you have like the outburst when you come home to right. Colorado right. because it's, it's, it becomes so much and you never let go of it. So I am so excited that you talk about this when you were 14 and you were different. Were you bullied at all? You know, surprisingly enough, um, they were intimidated by me. Um, <laughs> I went to a very diverse school and, you know, they, you had this, they tried to desegregate schools in Denver. So you had a large part of the black community come to the suburbs and a lot of us went to their neighborhood, like during our elementary school years. And so, mm -hmm. but we still segregated. It was so funny. Even though we're desegregated, we're still segregated. And so the one thing, the black girls were really tough in school and nothing against black people. I'm, I'm not by all means racist, but they were the tough ones. Like he didn't mess with them. And, uh, but I could dance. And so even though I was goth, I could dance like Janet Jackson. Like, you know, I had, I had really good dance moves. And wow. so they, they bonded with me over that. But I think I was such a weirdo, Kareen, that they were intimidated by me. So um, I didn't get bullied as much as people were just like, kind of afraid of me. And wow. in some ways, I mean, my high school was just like, it looks, it's in the suburbs of Denver, but it looked like a prison. It was horrible. And, Dang. and uh, so, but I felt like um, having that protective thing of being different, actually, it protected me because then nobody would wow. mess with me. <laughs> so, um, Interesting. So, no, I, I, of course, people made fun of me, but it was to me that making fun of me was a, a sense of pride mm. um, because I got attention. Ooh. And that was the big thing. I didn't get attention as a kid, and all of a sudden, I'm getting attention. Wow. So, um, actually, just saying that right now really struck a chord with me because it, it it is a lot of why I probably did what I did. You know. So you were hungry for it because your family didn't. Okay. Starving for attention. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is part of my issues in adulthood. <laughs> so I still yeah. crave attention. I'm. This is probably why I do everything that I do. I'm such an attention whore, I guess. Ah. <laughs> I think we all are when we're like so social, you know, because we give so much attention to people that we maybe have a subconscious expectation that we should, we should get what we give. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, but you know, the law of attraction also works. It's magic that we get what we give out there and we'll put out in the world. Right. Cause you're all about law of attraction. Yeah. So you said something about when you were 14, you were goth when nobody was even goth. How did you like, how did you learn about goth? Did you just like do it without even having a model? You know, or? I listened to music videos all the time. There was a mm -hmm. local um, TV station in Denver that played um, 
like uh, for two hours it played alternative videos so I listened mm. to a lot of music music was my influence and there was a couple of people that you know we kind of started at new wave listening to the cure and Depeche Mode and you know this is in 1987 um shows you how old I am but, dating um, you back there girl <laughs> a little bit but it was back you know when it started out light but then I would watch these videos and I would just get enamored by the look and so I just started doing it and Denver did have even though there was a small amount of us, it was still a decent amount. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, my influence was music and then a couple of people, but I really was at the forefront of, I mean, I was wearing like the big sombrero hat and long gloves and wow, um, I was wearing um, like pointy shoes. I did just crazy and black, black, white makeup, you know, black lipstick. I did it all. Amazing. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I wouldn't like think of you if I met you today without hearing your story. And this is what's cool about a podcast because you can really dive deep into somebody's, depending on, you know, on the idea of your platform to talk about these details because we go through like so many versions of us. I tell my husband, you probably slept with seven versions of me <laughs> because we go through, I mean, we grow through a lot of our struggles. We you know, we get influenced by outside influence, you know, when we enroll ourselves into masterminds, peer-to-peer -peer retreats, you know, those things can really influence us. But those things mostly, for me, influence me in the most positive way and really just up-level my game. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited to hear all of your gifts from your childhood now, when you became an adult, you moved away at 19 uh -huh. and you came to, you call yourself weird. You came to the weirdest city on planet earth, oh, which is Portland. What happened? I mean, what happened when you got to Portland? Did you just like figure it out or? You know what? It was the first time in my life that I felt right. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I can breathe. Like I, I, for one, I never really liked Denver. Um, in Portland, like the second I stepped foot here, I was just in love. And wow. I luckily in high school, I went to a, a vocational school called the Career Education Center. And so I had two years with the Academy of Travel and Tourism. So I worked in hotels. So I got a mm. job at the Marriott. Uh, and again, that started building up my self-esteem. I had my own apartment. You know, back then things were a lot cheaper. <laughs> I could afford an apartment yes. and um, I had just, I started building this life that was about me and I didn't have to compare myself to my siblings. It was about me. And, and then I met my ex-husband soon after. So then that, that, that's that next stage of my life that kind of took over. Um, wow. Yeah. So let's story. talk about, <laughs> about being about you uh -huh. because I think there's a lot of us that go through this pocket of, like confusion or not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. But not knowing is really exciting for me. Um, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, going through the process of learning and knowing is exhilarating for us. But you said you came here without knowing, but also you left something and you let go of something. And I think there's so much power in that when you're in the pocket of letting like you want to let go but you're afraid what's going to happen on the flip side on the other side mm -hmm. and i mean no not all of us have to move away from 
you know, far, far away like you did, but it's also one way to do it. So you did it one way and some people may just move out of the house to like really create a new space Mm -hmm. or maybe the space that you usually had, you emptied it. Did you feel, because you felt free and excited when you came to Portland. Was that maybe the transition that happened to you energetically? Is that you like took away whatever was anchoring you down and then you emptied it out? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I got, my self-esteem was so bad in Denver before I left. um, And I was just so depressed. I think that's when I moved away. Getting a fresh start feels so good when you're, down like you know I think there's one thing when being depressed and you stay in that situation it just keeps you oh just horrible even the thought of it so by me moving away even though I didn't know where I was gonna go that still was better than being depressed Mm -hmm. like shifted my energy like you said that shaped your energy because I knew moving away like I felt energetically by me moving away I was able to really be me without having to have this external facade I can just be me mm-hmm. um yeah I'm not sure if that's where I think <laughs> I think you emptied your bottle because remember you talk about the bottle right mm-hmm. and you put all these nasty thoughts nasty experiences um adversities struggles whatever it is that you're like in the bottom of the bottle you know, so you I think, have it. yeah, Go and for I think it. part of it was, is I just didn't, um, it was the time for me, you know, I was with my ex-boyfriend and I actually moved out here with him, but we were kind of not really together. It was more like, mm. um, we just did the move, but I, then I got my own place and, but it was like, for the first time I felt like I was focusing on me. And the problem is, is very soon after I met my ex-husband. And so then that kind of stopped. And it's mm-hmm. funny because people talk about, you know, when you're going through personal development, they're like, remember that time, think back of a time where you're really happy mm-hmm. or your life got so traumatically terrible or whatever. And I always went back to the, that brief six months of when I first moved here because it was about me. I had my own apartment. I had a job that I loved and um, I was paying my bills. There was something really rewarding about that at that time. But it only lasted for six months. Wow. <laughs> and I got when, did it, when did that me circle back? Like, when did you decide? And you can either share the story of it or not. It's up to you. Um, when did you decide that, you know what? It's time to go back to me again. 16 years later at my divorce. Woo, girl. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, for all those years. And no, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying my whole relationship was, was terrible, but... I, you know, I'm such a supportive personality. I'm such a giver. And so mm-hmm. when I'm in a relationship, especially, I think a lot of women are like this, actually. We're very supportive of our partners. And so I just kind of did whatever he wanted to do. I was very much of, I went along and just lived his life. And it wasn't really the life I wanted necessarily, but I did mm-hmm. do things. You know, I became a nurse and I loved being a nurse and I found something I'm good at. Um, but it didn't, um, through those 16 years, though, I was still like, whatever my husband wanted. And mm. um, to focus on ourselves is, is, it's almost like you shouldn't do that. You got to, you know, help other people, be there for other people, you know. And so I didn't even understand this concept of self-love. And wow. I didn't understand this concept of I got to take care of me first before I take care of other people. I didn't even understand that until my divorce. Wow. Yeah. I think, um, and I've been there. I, I 
I've been there where I don't, I didn't know what self-love was. I only was chasing for the wrong things. And luckily during my, I mean, we've got some rough patch in the beginning of our marriage and luckily we stuck together. And I think that, um, when I communicated to my husband and we're, we're switching now to like more of like a marriage counseling here, but when I started my journey with the spiritual and personal development journey, it was, it became even more rough for us because now I'm vibrating in a, in like so much more different Mm -hmm. level. And I was chasing a real, that's when I actually woke up to the reality where I've been chasing all the wrong things. I've been leading with how much money I'm making, with what title I can get in the banking industry, with what title I can get as a as an insurance agent owner, you know, in, in my insurance practice, how many people I can have working for me because it looks so grandeur. You know, like I was looking into life with those kinds of lenses. And as soon as I woke up to reality and realizing that, um, and I've always had older friends, like most of my friends are like five, 10, 15 years older than me. So I've always been like hanging out with people that think differently, Mm -hmm. but then also I wasn't ready when you're younger, you know, to like think the same way as they, but they've been all along just like showing me around life. And one day it just like hurt enough for me personally in my practice that I felt like is I started asking questions. Like, is this really for me? Am I really seeing life through the, you know, the lenses that I should be seeing life through? Mm -hmm. So I have all these books that I've never read before and I started picking them up. But the one book that really changed the way that I thought was half time So if you've never read the book, and a lot of my friends were turning 50 around the age that I was 35. Mm -hmm. And halftime is like for a midlife crisis. (laughs) So I feel like I had my midlife crisis really early on because I had friends that were already going through it. Uh So it's about, you know, accumulating wealth during your first half of your life. And then when you turn 50, you start feeling empty, even though you've achieved everything because you were chasing all the wrong things and now you're looking for more meaning in life and so i'm like why why do i have to wait till i turn 50. (laughs) and like that was really the turning point for me and i still have that book and to this day i recommend it to people no matter how younger how much younger they are from 50 because society has its standard right like midlife around 50 48 49 not for me. Like I want to learn faster and quicker than everybody else. So when you went through your um, divorce, did you feel free that it was time for Michelle again? Oh, absolutely. Did you go back to that first six months of your life in Portland? Um, you know, I think it, it was no, I would say yes and no. Yes, because I think at the time I was a little bit spiritual, like I was dabbling with Taoism and uh, meditating a little Ooh. bit. And so one thing that I did is after my divorce is I started meditating. And um, that's when life 
totally, totally changed for me. I actually had a spiritual awakening and wow. that point where I like, I felt like it was a near death experience just through meditation. And at that, at that moment, I never saw life the same. And you know, the, the blessing of my career as a nurse is I have always seen life in a very precious form. Like it's about the love, mm. you give. it's about the love you receive more than anything. That's to me, it was always my drive, not money. But um, it was at that point that I realized we're all spiritual beings and that um, in this moment of awakening, it was everything after was like I had a near-death experience. And I read stories about near-death experiences because everyone who went through it went through what I went through, which is seeing life in the most beautiful light and more love than you can ever imagine. And so it was, that was the part where it's like you, like connecting on a deeper level and to me with spirituality was the turning point. And so when I, yeah, the six months when I first moved here was a taste of this person in me that had dreams and had these desires. And I, you know, I wanted to move to France and I wanted to be an airline stewardess and wow. I wanted to travel the world. And I did travel a lot, my ex-husband, I traveled a lot. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and I'm grateful for where my life has led me for sure. But it is um, that turning point was my spirituality. Amazing. Yeah. Taoism. Love it. Mm -hmm. You, um, and RIP to Wayne Dyer. Did you used to like learn from, it's like, he's like my guru. I know. I've seen him a couple of times when I saw him, I was like, ah, she's kind of rambles like a grandpa, but like. (laughs) He is like a grandpa. It's like, I feel like Wayne Dyer is my grandpa. I know. But like, I listen to stuff on YouTube all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I love love what he says like it so resonates with me have you watched his movie the shift yes so good oh yeah no matter how many times i watch that movie i just like ball into the money they don't really you know then so they're very tedious and it just can be a headache and um you know i'm at a point now where i loved when i first started you know it was fun for me but now as i'm you know i've done it for a year my body isn't the same anymore so i can't really get down and dirty like that 